episode number 352 with best-selling author Ryan Holiday. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. When ego slips away, the best idea wins. That's a quote from my good friend and mentor, Chris Hawker. And this episode is all about ego and how in some ways ego can drive us to be an achievement of the things we want in our lives, but ultimately will leave us feeling broken, shattered, and hurting ourselves and others if we don't understand how to let it go. And Ryan is going to dissect this topic. He's got a new book out called Ego is the Enemy. And Ryan Holiday is a media strategist and prominent writer on strategy and business. And after dropping out of college at 19, he went on to advise many best-selling authors and multi-platinum musicians. He served as director of marketing at American Apparel for many years, and he is also a best-selling author of The Obstacle is the Way. Ryan and his partner, Niels, were also a key component in the strategy and the success of the School of Greatness book. They were a huge part of it for me, and uh, it wouldn't have been uh, a huge success, sold over... 55,000 copies by now and also hit the New York Times bestseller list. So I'm super grateful for his strategy and I believe he's just a brilliant mind. And what we covered today are all things ego. And one of the main things is why Ryan says we should not be passionate in our lives, which I thought was interesting because I'm always talking about being passionate. So you get to hear both sides of the story there about why you should not be passionate, where Ryan has seen my ego get in the way of my life. I ask him, what have I done where my ego has held me back from my greatness? So that kind of gets interesting at that moment. Also, how telling the truth can put you in a position of power, even when you know it's going to hurt someone's ego. The steps to finding your purpose and why purpose is more important than passion and why thinking small is often the best way to start. I'm super excited for you guys to engage and hear this interview. Ryan's a brilliant guy and just such an incredible human being. So without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only Ryan Holiday. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean Foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunch Berry. No! No one steals my Crunch Berries. I think you mean my Crunch Berries. Choose your own Crunch Venture with Captain Crunch. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. 
It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest. His name is Ryan Holiday. Ryan, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. This Thanks. is a step up from when I first when I first did your webinar, like four years ago. Uh huh. Where were what we? you've built is amazing. I mean, I think we just did it over Skype. Got you, got you, yeah. yeah. But what you've built has just been amazing. It's been fun, man. It's, it's been, been a, a hell of a ride. I tell you what, can, doing quality work consistently for four years every week, you know, it does something. Well, I think that's the thing that a lot of people miss, right? Like they see like someone has a huge podcast or mm. a best-selling book and they think like, okay, how do I get that now? right now? Yeah. Right. And so like they think it's like, okay, I need to spend this amount of money or I need to do this. And they don't realize that all those things were built iteratively. Time. Yeah. Like you yeah. didn't even, if I remember correctly, you weren't even starting a podcast. This was three and a half years ago. I started the podcast. We just hit 350 episodes recently and uh, you know, it's been three and a half years. But I mean, you didn't even set out to build a podcast. No. You were no. just doing, you were doing something and you had this conversation with someone, mm -hmm. which is a Robert Green one, right? And yeah. you decided that that, that, that first, should be, yeah. That was the first interview, first episode, but I was doing a webinar with him right. to promote his book. And then I was like, this is a great interview. Why don't I put this part of the podcast series right? that I later decided I was going to do? Yeah. And so that that's actually one of the things I talk about in, in Ego a little bit is that you you have to make sure that you don't make up stories about other mm -hmm. people because it can seem like they set out to do this. So it's like, like you, it was somewhat accidental. It was about you took a chance, you did yeah. this thing, and then you started to see opportunities and you grew them right. versus like... I had a vision for a 350 episode podcast and <laughs> right, right, right. of downloads, right? right, right. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's less sexy than that, but more attainable. Mm -hmm. So it should be more inspiring, but yeah. people don't, people don't see that. Yeah. When I started the podcast originally, I remember I was moving to, L I just moved to LA and I was kind of going through like a rough path from a relationship and just like, I just sold a company that I wasn't really that inspired with anymore. And uh, I was kind of figure out what was my next you know, thing, what was my right. dream, my purpose, what was my meaning. And I remember I really enjoyed interviewing people at the time or just connecting with sure. your conversations. And I was like, man, I've got pretty good relationships with some inspiring people. What if I share these with other people? Right. And then I asked a few friends who, you know, Derek Halpern and John Lee Dumas was like, and, and Pat Flynn, I was like, how's the podcast going? And they were like, it's incredible. I don't know why Derek stopped his, but uh, I was like, these guys can do it. I think I can figure it out. Yeah. And I remember I set up the first year. I was like, I'm just going to create some good content every single week and do it for a year and then see what happens. Right. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to take any sponsors. Like, I'm not going to try any of that stuff. Right. I'm just going to build something like inspiring to me. And the sponsors came quickly because of that. Sure. And uh, it just kind of took off. It might have been the time of when I launched it. It might have been the... But it's not like podcasts were even new then. They'd yeah, been around for, for years. Six, seven years, yeah. at least some of them. You know, Joe Rogan's been around for a long time. So I think what's also impressive about yours is how quickly you leveled up. Like I'm like I feel awkward being on this show, being Why? like the least important person <laughs> on it. Uh, and it's the same thing with Tim Ferriss's show. Right, right, where right. it's like you've been on the show like ten times though. No, just twice. <laughs> uh but but it's like 
then it's like Arnold and all right, these other right. people. And you, you've had all these enormous celebrities, which you would have had, like, if you had thought you could have had them on your show when right. you were doing your first episode, you would have been crazy. Yeah. But it was that you, you knew where you could grow mm-hmm. it. You, it's like you did this thing, which gave you that opportunity, right. like that. Yeah, they all build on each other. And it, it was yeah. the vision was to be able to interview anyone I want. Sure. Know? And that's still the vision. I can't do it yet. Right. It's still the goal. And, uh, you know, some of these interviews have taken a year to make happen of me sure. following up and building relationship and, you know, donating to their foundations or whatever it takes. Right. It's like, I want to be like, and building your numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Having the platform big enough that they're like, okay, now sure. it makes sense for me to come on and give you my time. Totally. So the goal is to keep getting bigger and, uh, of course. so that I can get anyone, you know, so that right. everyone comes to me and says, we need to get our message out there on the school of greatness. Sure. That's the vision. Yeah. But it's been three and a half years and this is how long this is how long it's taken to get me to get to this point. Right. So we'll see how much longer it takes. Or there there is no it doesn't take a certain amount of time because there's no end point. That's true. I'm not looking to stop at any time. Right, soon. right. It's not like, oh, if you get Oprah on, you're done. <laughs> Although that would <laughs> be a good note to go out on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I was on my buddy Rob Bell's podcast and then the next interview he did was Oprah. Wow. So it's my name and then Oprah's name in the podcast stream. That's pretty good. Yeah, Maybe like, they'll accidentally click you. It's close. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's close. So, um, cool, man. Well, you got Sorry. a you got yeah. a new book out it's called "Ego Is the Enemy," and uh, I'm curious why why ego why this topic why now? And I I watched the uh, the video which is really cool the trailer. Oh, thank you. Where you tell your whole story about it, um, but why ego? What's the why is this such an important topic to give two years of your life? Yeah. Writing, thinking promoting and then more obviously yeah that's a good question i mean so my last book was about external obstacles mm-hmm. and i i feel like ego is the biggest internal obstacle or we we are our, in in reality the main thing that prevents people from being successful is not other people it's not economic factors mm-hmm. it's themselves right yeah. and the main things that tears down success is definitely ego Mm -hmm. when we start to think we're better than we are that we're more you know we have it under control that we don't need to work as hard we know it all yeah exactly that's when that's when we start to destroy what we've built or when we fail and then we feel like we can never come back Mm -hmm. or that you know everyone hates us or all all these things so what is ego what's the definition so not freudian ego right not uh some complicated psychological definition i'm using it in the in the very sort of common sense of like arrogance, uh-huh. entitlement, greed, selfishness, right. delusion. You know, uh it, when 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 you see when you see someone who's incredibly talented but they just can't get out of their own way and they can't stop making enemies hmm. or causing problems for themselves. That's to me that's the ego that I'm talking about. Get out of their own way to do what achieve something or to make an impact or yeah, yeah, like they're working so hard on some problem and or the, like they uh, think about like someone like Kobe Bryant, incredibly talented, yeah. but he drives teammates away, mm-hmm. right? And and it's only yeah. he, why can't he play why Shaquille couldn't he O'Neal. play with other people? Yeah. Right. And could have won more championships with him maybe. Totally, totally. And and at the same time why couldn't Shaquille O'Neal play with Kobe Bryant? It was in they both of their <laughs> it was in both of their interests to get over what of those whatever those differences were, but neither could do it. And, why is it so hard for us to do that? Uh, I think I think it's it's a lot of things. I think one, we don't know that it's there, right? I mean, the insidious part about ego is like, we think we're doing everything right. It's the other person that's causing the problem. Uh, but, but I would say, I think 
it feels like it feels like you're compromising on the most essential parts of you, right? Like, like you probably saw this with your when book. When you let go of your ego. Yeah, like you get edits back from your editor. Right. And you're like, <laughs> how dare you tell me about this, yes, right? Yes, And in, in reality, they're just trying to You don't to know help. me. Yeah, you don't right. know me. What, this is so wrong. How dare you? Right, right, right. You know, so you get that reaction and, and you're, you feel like you're being attacked because yes. ego is supposed to protect you, but really it's insulating you and blocking you from things that are actually good. Mm. So I, I think what ego is, is this, um, Cyril Connolly is one of my favorite writers. He was saying ego like cancer is the overproduction of cells, right? And so ego is, ego is not, it's inherently a bad thing. It's that having too much of it is what creates. So I make the distinction between confidence, which is critical. Yes. Like you have to believe you can do stuff. Mm-hmm. You have to know that you put in the work. You have to know what you're good at. That's essential. But ego is past confidence. Ego is when you have confidence in things that you shouldn't be confident of, right? right? And so that's where you bite off more than you can chew. You say, screw them. I don't need them. I'm going to do this on my own. You know, mm-hmm. um, you say everyone else is wrong. That's, that is the problem. You isolate yourself. Totally. Yeah. And you, it's like the amount of like, a, uh, there's this fascinating book about the history of Beanie Babies by Zach Bissonnette. And he, like the famous moment in the Beanie Baby history is that he, he come up with this idea and everyone's like, that's horrible. You cannot do this. The like Beanie Baby idea. No, the Beanie Babies already existed. Okay. He had this like new one. I'm forgetting what it was, but, but the, his like assistant was like, do not announce this. Like, please do not do this. And he was like, I could put the Thai logo on manure and people would buy it. Oh my God. And of course they didn't. Right. So it's like, it's that, but, but we've all been there. We've, it's like, we feel like we know better because right. we're so good at what we've done and people have been wrong before. Like everyone told you all the things that you sure. couldn't do so and they were wrong. wrong. Yeah. yeah. And then now you think you have to prove everyone wrong all the time. But the reality is hmm. they're not wrong all the time. Sometimes they're right. And, and so Balance and confidence is about knowing when to listen and when to respectfully not listen. Hmm. That's a challenge. It's a, it's so hard. I mean, but also look at the examples of, you know, the Muhammad Ali or Mayweather approach where it's over the top ego and they were and are the greatest essentially in one thing that they did. Yeah. Well, there's that line from Muhammad Ali. He says, it's like, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am, <laughs> yeah. which is true. But I think, right. I think you can actually take that quote in a way he didn't mean, which is, yes, it is hard. That's why you have to work harder mm-hmm. because to be gracious and have humility and that to be a, just a good person. Yeah. But also, um, I feel like this, the trajectory of every single boxer ever is they become the greatest and then they over they underestimate an opponent and they who, fall and they fall and um, Tyson yeah everyone yeah every bo- and and the saddest part about boxing is when they don't know when they should quit and then that's when they get hurt or um, they do real damage to themselves mm-hmm. so it's like you have to be humble not only because you should be a good person <sighs> it's hard to let go but it's hard to let go and 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 you the second you start to think you're better than you are. That's when an opponent seizes on that weakness and beats you with it. Mm. Do you think it was wise that Kobe retired now and he was like, I have nothing left? And I mean, I think so. Uh, I think Jason Whitlock uh, is right when he was saying that the sad part about the Kobe story is that he left the franchise in ruins. Right? Like, it's not like the, like, 
it's he didn't if he left earlier or if he'd been able to left on top left on top or if he'd been able to help build a team that could survive after he left and you could argue that's not his job but not, yeah. but you know the lakers are not going to be good for a few the clippers are better than the lakers right. now and so that that has to like you, when you look at like billionaires who can never retire and they can't pass the company on to anyone to me that tarnishes their legacy it it it's a knock against their greatness mm. that they were so selfish and could delegate so little that they they built this thing but then ultimately it couldn't outlast them because they couldn't share control wow hmm. where's a moment in your life where ego really ruined you the most whether it be a relationship or business or friendship or um, your health yeah, I mean, obviously, I think there's lots of places. I think the big thing, like when I look back at my writing, the writing I did when I was like 19, 20, 21, it makes me so uncomfortable because it's like I cringe when I read what I wrote in the past because it's so certain. And you know what I mean? Like, so I'm matter of fact. Yeah. And it's like you realize <laughs> at 19 that you really didn't know anything no, anything about yeah. anything. And so I think like what what I say in the book is that ego is different at every phase in your life. But I think the, it's it's most embarrassing when you're young and you act like you know you know way more than you do and like you every sim- cocky guy yeah you <laughs> simplify really complex things and you feel like you know like as you become more successful and you meet other successful people and maybe you even meet people that you've like read about in the news that you've made like snap judgments about right. you realize like oh like you know, it's more complicated than I thought, or they're actually a good person, or they have multiple sides to them, or that this issue, there really is no like black and white to it, you know? And I think when I look back, like, I wonder all the things that I missed or that I didn't pick up on or that I couldn't have learned because I thought I already knew. Like there's this epic, epic Titus quote, he's a famous Stoic, and he says, one cannot learn that which they think they already know. And I think my youth and maybe yours is the same way, but definitely for a lot of people is defined by thinking we already know everything. And that's when we should be learning the most. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. What's a, what's a specific example you have where you feel like, wow, this really, this ego consumed me so much that I just destructed some part of me or a relationship or like your life changed because of this experience. Well, so one one of the things I talk about in the book a little bit, I call them these sort of fight club moments, and then these moments where like you're you just get destroyed, yeah. and you have to you have to like look at yourself and who you were. And I remember I was working, I, I worked for Tucker Max when I was uh, mm-hmm. in college, and I made some like we were talking about something. We had this like message board where we talked and we were talking about something, and I made some smart ass comment. Chat. Yeah, like we were chatting on this message board, like all the employees that mm-hmm. work for his company, and we were like chatting about some uh, some like throwaway thing, and and I was acting like I knew what I was talking about, and I didn't, and he just like tore me a new one, just like so, like in front of everyone, in the chat, in front of yeah, yeah, in, yes, yes. in front of all the other employees, wow. and I like I had a panic attack, like I had to go to the hospital, um, and like in retrospect, I don't think it was good leadership on his part. Like I don't think like I wouldn't do that. I would never publicly in front of everyone, yes. invis- ev- eviscerate someone. But 
there are those moments where you're like, wait, what was I do? Like, why did I think that I needed to even be involved in this conversation? Like, I remember another one I was working, I worked not far from here in Beverly Hills at this talent management agency. And we had this, some big meeting and a bunch of people were talking. And I was like the assistant who was like, supposed to sort of like sit on the side. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, they they were talking about something that I kind of knew about. And I like interrupted and I said something. And then after my boss was like, why did you say that? He was like, did you say it because... um you had something to say or you just wanted people to like acknowledge you existed. He's like, did you, re- did that really needed to be said or you just wanted to say something? And I was like, Fuck. you know, you're totally right. Like I was just, I had, that had no purpose whatsoever mm-hmm. except for my own ego. Mm-hmm. And those are like, you know, those are the moments where people make important people don't give you a second chance. They're like, okay, that kid, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, you know, like, don't invite him to any more meetings. Right, right. Um, and I, like, I obviously I didn't like ruin anything for myself, but you realize just the raw, the wrong remark at the wrong time can be the end. Or, yeah. you know, you treat the wrong person the wrong way. And that's the end that's for the end. you, sure, you know? Sure. Um, when is uh, confidence cross the line into ego? Because you've got to be confident in your work and your skills yeah. and your ability when you go into a, a job interview, when you go into whatever, playing a, a big game in sports, sure. in your relationship. If you don't have confidence, people aren't going to want to keep you around. Yes. In any area of your life after sure. a certain time. You're like, okay, it's time to believe in yourself. Yes. So what is- One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. How about Captain Crunch's Crunch Berries with breakfast? Whoa, Dad, we're on Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean foot. <laughs> Stole our crunch! Quick, the zip line! He's getting away! Throw our last crunch berry! No! No one steals my crunch berries! I think you mean my crunch berries. Choose your own crunch venture with Captain Crunch. It's the difference between believing yourself with a hundred percent certainty that I'm gonna win this game and give my all to yeah. you're just a cocky, egotistical maniac. Right. No, that's a good point. I mean, so I think Aristotle says that 
it's a spectrum. So like he would say like courage and or sorry, he would say like recklessness and cowardice mm. are the extremes and like courage is in the middle, right? Or it's it's above. So it's like a triangle. Mm. And I think it's like that. So confidence, like ego is, you know, uh, I'm the greatest who ever lived. I'm perfect. You know, I've got it all handled. N- nobody knows better no than flaws, me. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I'm worthless. I don't know anything. Why would anyone listen to me? Those are, in a weird way, those are both sort of self-absorbed yes. positions, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, all you're just thinking about yourself. Denial on the either. Yeah. Ends, right? Yeah. And you're just over here, you're just not thinking well of yourself. Yes. And over here, you're thinking too well of yourself. So confidence is in the middle. But I think, I think... It's interesting, like, confidence has to be based, uh, Frank Shamrock, an MMA fighter, he was saying, like, um, confidence is earned, right? And that's the, if your confidence is on, I did the work, or that I'm a fast learner, or that I'm, like, I'm a fast learner, so I'm going to be able to figure this out, or, like, um, I studied harder than anyone else, or, you know, I've, like, I know I can do this because, like, you know about how much weight you can lift because you go to the gym and you've done it before. You're not, you don't just, you might know, you might have a, an inkling that you're capable of a lot more, Mm -hmm. but you're confident based on what you've done or done in a sort of a reasonable circle. So I think that's where the confidence is. It's like, okay, I know, I know that I can write a book because I've studied harder. I've written long things before. I've worked with other authors. You know, those, yeah. it's not like, right. oh, sure, I should have a book. You know, <laughs> right, like right. that, that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. And you also talk about in the book, you say humility and reality are the cure for symptoms of ego. Yeah. Why is that? What do you mean by that? Well, so if, if, if ego is, being confident in things that you shouldn't be confident in reality is like, Oh wait, okay. I was, I, I got too far over my skis. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like I, I went too far in the other direction. I needed like a little bit of a wake up call. And so sometimes yeah. that's why failure can be good or not catastrophic failure, but like little things, right? Like you, you're confident. So, you know, you, you put something out there and someone's like, Hey, this is wrong for the following reasons. You got to listen to that stuff mm-hmm. or, you keep investing and you go further and further. And then when you do fall and when you do fail, it's like really painful. Yeah. Interesting. So I think you got to cultivate people around you who are not afraid to tell you the truth. That's yeah. the hard part is like, I mean, especially as you become successful, I'm sure you've seen this. It's I think like, you've got to be willing to have people tell you the truth because yes. most people don't want to hear the truth. Yes. Right. Even if they say it, they're like, they don't want to hear it, right? Right. You have to make sure you don't punish people for right. telling you the truth, like by not talking to them or fighting them. Um, even if you disagree, you have to hear them. But it's like, it's like you can realize like, man, I only talk to people who worked for me today, right? Like who are in some sense not super motivated to tell me the truth. Like right, right. I've been around a lot of really, really successful, wealthy people and you realize like, if I were to tell this person, like the only way I could deliver the truth to this person would be like a kamikaze mission. Like, like they, we would not be friends after, right, like right, they've right. gotten so far that like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go in and say all this unpleasant stuff. And that's going to be the end of it. And then you realize like, the, and then you usually don't do it. Right. Like, you know, it's like if, if I'd gotten to a point where like you, you followed me on social media and you, you, you thought I would like, you knew, you know what my life is like, but the pictures I was posting were not at all representative. You knew maybe I was inflating numbers about what I've done 
or like, you know, look at this photo with me and this celebrity, but you knew like I paid to meet that person, you know, all the things. And, and like, you might know like, Hey Ryan, like you might want to say like, Hey Ryan, like people are starting to think you're full of it. Like you're not, you don't, you're not not coming off well, you should change. But like you might not do it because you would be worried that I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot the messenger essentially, right? And so that's the difficult thing is like if you don't have that realism in your life and you don't cultivate it, you're not checking in all the time, you get to a point where it's like people realize that it's not in their interest to mm. tell you the truth. What's a good way to approach someone that you want to tell the truth to who has an overwhelming sense of ego or uh they don't have reality? Yeah, that's well. How do you I, approach that person? First off, I would say that it's weird, but actually, you can. If everyone else is lying, like if everyone else in that organization is not telling the truth, oftentimes being the person that tells the uncomfortable truths is a is a position of power, right? Because because you're the only one that's not so like everyone start else. Start to trust your opinion yes. more. And I think so. The big thing I found is that it's not about. It's not about showing that you're smarter and it's not about making them feel stupid. It's often, I find it's, hey, here's my opinion about this thing. Like, like let's say uh, someone's making some important business decision and you think they're making the wrong decision. You say, look, I think this is the wrong decision for these reasons, mm-hmm. but you're the boss, so you've got to make the call. And then whatever they decide, if they decide not to go with you, you still have to support them in whatever they're doing. Right, right. And then you have to let the results speak for themselves. Because they'll, it, if they're not insane, they'll remember, hey, Lewis told me when I was thinking about like, hey, I was thinking about you know investing in this company. And Lewis said, that's a bad idea. And I did it anyway. And then I lost all my money. Right. <laughs> As long as long as you as long as you weren't a jerk to them and you didn't rub it in along the way, and then you know I I like to even pretend that I didn't do like I I don't I don't I not only don't want to do I told you so I want to like well your ego wants to say that sure sure <laughs> yeah but but I'm saying like politically and relationship yeah, wise yes. you not only don't say you told you so you don't even mention it mm, right let you, it go let it go and let it, let, them, let say them say let them remember hey. At that critical moment, Lewis was right, and he was big enough about being right that he didn't rub it in. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of person that I should go to for advice in the future, or he's a voice that I know is is reasonable, is, and, is reasonable, yeah. and speaking the truth and not selfish and just not not about him. It's about mm-hmm. the truth. Yeah. Here's something you say that most people say: find your passion and follow it. But you say, don't be passionate. Why is that? Well, I think passion, I think passion is dangerous, right? So the fo- throughout philosophy, especially in Stoic philosophy, they warn against the passions like lust, greed, anger, fear. This is what this historically passion has meant extreme emotions. Yes, and so I I, I tend I I tend to gravitate towards that um, definition. But I think purpose is better than passion. Right, because passion is—it's like a mission. Yeah, passion is like I like this; it feels good. I want to do this. Uh-huh. Purpose is here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's why it's important, and I'm and I'm not going to stop until it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, who would you rather have work for you? The guy that just really loves writing, or the person who's like trying to write for a reason? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and and so that passion can be blinding, and it can get you like. 
it's not enough just to love something or else everyone would do what they love. You also have to be good at it. And you yeah. also have to know how like, how to make smart decisions and how to plan. Is it possible for us to always have a purpose? What do you mean? I mean, a lot of people, I think, don't know what their purpose is. Sure. They don't know how to discover it. They don't even know what they're passionate about. So how do you find a purpose, period? How do you even go about saying, oh, this is my purpose at this point in my life? Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons that people like to say find your passion is that it sounds really smart and you don't – like no one's like, okay, then what? Right? Like it, it's, <laughs> just, it's just like – it's like, do what you love, you know, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Then how, you know, so when I, when I'm saying purpose, I think it's about defining your goals, defining mm. what the life you're trying to build is and, and having a real model for what you're doing. Yeah. And, um, for me, I've tried to, I've tried to be very clear about what I'm trying to accomplish to myself so that I'm not getting distracted by all these. Like, I like to do lots of things. Me too. But I, you got to pick one to really get good at it, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's like, if you're doing this thing because it means something to you and you know exactly what success looks like for you, it's nice because then you're not as distracted by the fact that so-and-so is posting photos of them surrounded by hundred dollar bills on Instagram <laughs> or on a yacht and a yeah, visa yeah. or whatever, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're not comparing yourself to other people. You want to compare yourself, uh, against the progress you've made to, uh, for whatever your purpose most people is. people never do that. That's the best not. way to compare yourself as to how far you've come or what yes. you've created as opposed to what everyone else has created around you. Well, you probably learned that in sports, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, it's not about what other players are doing. It's mm -hmm. about whatever you, whatever you're capable of. The progress from the previous of. game or the previous yes. week or what we've done. Yeah. Right. Getting closer to our goal or to our vision. Yeah, because like, look, some people are freaks. You know what I mean? Like some people are just way better than you yeah. and they're always going to be better than you and they're not going to have to work as hard as you. So it's like if you're comparing yourself to them or just mimicking them, you're not – It's that's not the right – that's not the yeah. right approach. But everyone has their demons in battles. Of course. It doesn't matter if they're like the richest person or the most successful or the most good looking yes. or the, the most athletic. There's some battle I feel like we're always facing. Yeah. It's hard to just be like, I've got it all figured out in all areas of my life. I don't know. Have you met anyone who's just like, everything's figured out? Like, well, I, would I say, don't have any challenges. I would say the people who you feel like have it most figured out are probably struggling the deepest. The most. There's this uh, James Baldwin um, has his, his his father was sort of like an abusive uh, bad person, not a bad person. He didn't have a great father. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was reading one of his essays and he quoted the eulogy that his pastor gave his father. And it, the 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 pastor said, "Thou knowest the man, thou knowest not his wrestling." Like you, because you don't know what each person is wrestling with inside. Mm -hmm. You don't know if that beautiful celebrity is wrestling with an eating disorder. You don't know if that or guy is or whatever. Yeah. You don't know if that guy who seems like he has a happy family is miserable and cheats on his wife. You know, you don't know if that person who has complete, who sold millions of albums feels like a failure because their parents never told them they love them. You know, mm -hmm. you don't know what people are struggling with. And it's like, so it's like you can't you can't compare yourself to them because you don't know what the you don't know whatever they have you don't know what they have you don't know what it costs them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. don't know what's inside. Yeah. Why do you think we have so many obstacles? 
humans. In life? Well, I mean, look, the world is indifferent to you and I, right? Like, the world is not, oh, Lewis wants to be a professional baseball player. Like, how do I make that happen? You know, like, or, you know, Ryan, Ryan wants to be an Olympic skier. How can I make that happen? Right? Like, the world is, the world is not only indifferent to, like, our personal goals. Like, the world doesn't even care about the human race, right? Like, we could all be wiped out by, like, a volcano tomorrow, right? So, it's, it's that we are, a very small piece of like a complex universe. And the result is that things don't go the way we want them to go. So I think those are the external obstacles. And if that wasn't hard enough, right, the internal, yeah, then we put on top of that, you know, uh, struggles with addiction or struggles with self-worth or struggles with other people. You know, we, we add to that, things that make an are an extraordinarily difficult thing like even more difficult yeah and we don't even know it right we don't know the people that we've alienated or we don't right. know how we've you know like you think like you know your journey was from point a to point b but you don't actually like it could have been shorter yeah. if you had done this differently or done, you never know if you had a unlimited amount of money that i gave you right now to okay. solve one challenge in the world whether it be an internal challenge that humans face or some type of external challenge and snap your fingers, it's solved. And we never longer had that challenge in the world or internally. What would that be? Oh, man, that is a, that is a crazy question. Um, we talked about William McGaskill a while ago, right? Mm -hmm. Who does effective altruism. And I think what's interesting about his work is he's saying, it's like, we all try to pick causes that are like close to us, right? It's like, I like reading. So like, yes. you would think like, I would go like, well, how can I, you know, give money to a charity that helps kids read? And that's like a good cause. But what we never think is like, there are millions of people who are just flat out starving yeah. or dying of some disease. So I feel like if you give me an unlimited money amount of money, the rational thing to do would be to say, okay, what would what would help objectively save the most amount of lives, mm. right? Like there's people out there, and I think these are real heroes who go like, okay, you know, I work on Wall Street, I make five hundred thousand dollars a year, I only need seventy thousand to to live. Mm. I'm going to give the rest of that money to a charity, and I'm going to save thirty thousand people a year. Wow. Or like people do that, and yeah. and that's like to me that's like real heroism because it in a weird way it's taking the ego out of it. It's not like uh, I would love to see my name on the side of a library at Harvard, right. or right. I would love I would love an art gallery downtown mm. that houses my collection. In those ways, obviously, those are still good things to do with your money, and it's right. better than buying yourself a yacht or whatever. But it is ego, right? Like, doesn't he talk about uh, actually putting your name out there when making the donations? Though, doesn't he say that like you should not make it anonymous in order to inspire others to I think he's saying that. Like that. Yeah, I th I think he does but You he, shouldn't try to be Donald Trump with your name everywhere. Yes, but but it's not like people go it's like, "Oh, I some 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 guy just gave like 100 million dollars to Central Park, right? Some big hedge really? fund manager in New York." And it's like mm. Central Park is one of the wealthiest <laughs> most protected like best parks in the world yeah. it doesn't need a hundred million dollars like nothing bad is happening to right to, whereas to mark park. zuckerberg gave it to like the school system in new jersey or something right yeah a hundred million dollars to yeah schools. you, you want to but you want to do the math on like what is actually going to help yeah. objectively the most amount of people mm -hmm. so how do we get out of our own head then you know when we don't even know we're in our head sure because we don't think anything's wrong with us yeah how do we get out of it well <laughs> 
<laughs> right, right. Well, and it's interesting because being in your head can be really great and really miserable at the same time. Mm-hmm. Anne Lamott, she read this amazing book called Bird by Bird, and she talks about. Uh, she says, in every writer's head, they're listening to this radio station called KFKD. So K, and on in one ear, it's saying like you're the best, you're amazing. It's like she's like it's blaring rap music about how awesome you are, <laughs> and in the other, it's like playing like the saddest, most depressing mm. songs about how worthless you are. So you want to get out of your own head because you, as nice as the good one feels, the bad one is terrible. To me, I would say, like, you're not far from Runyon Canyon. When you walk up that canyon or you're in the wilderness or you're standing next to the ocean and you're just experiencing the present moment, you're not thinking about how amazing you are and you're not thinking about Mm. how worthless you are either. So to me, I think nature is a big one. I think uh, asking yourself questions, like, like in a weird way, it's sort of, kind of going back in your head to get out of your head but i think asking yourself tough questions like who am i what kind of person do i want to be you know is this the right thing to do it pausing for a second instead of just reacting emotionally all the time Mm -hmm. is a way to kind of get out of that self-absorbed cycle right you said that though we think big we must act and live small in order to accomplish what we seek why live small isn't that almost exactly what we're talking about with your podcast, though? Mm. It's like small steps every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Paul Graham talks about this. He's like, the way to change the world is to start by changing some tiny thing. Yeah, take because, one step. Or whatever. Yeah, right. It's not. It's not having this frighteningly ambitious, world-changing idea. Like that's great. Like I gave a talk at Google a few weeks ago, and there's this quote from Larry Page uh, where he's saying like. The way I pick startups to invest in is I ask themselves, like, is what you're working on going to change the world? And that sounds really inspiring, except for YouTube was, or sorry, Google was uh, his thesis that he was writing. Really? And it was like a research project and it became Google. YouTube started as a dating site, wow. right? Like uh, Gmail was like an internal project um, that, you know, they thought, hey, maybe we could make this email thing. Like maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um Meanwhile, these sort of big, huge projects, they fail all the time because right. we can be wrong. And, and because we've – like you have – flex. like you're – let's say the, the podcast episode didn't work, right? You could have pivoted into any number of other things. But if I was like, this is the thing. Yeah, I I'm, have to do this. This is going to happen. It's right. going to be huge. Right. Then, Which then, a lot of podcasters say when they start out. Yeah, and they so they overinvest in it. They overcommit. They – and and then they can't see they can't they can't get out of their own way when it's not working. Yeah, they can't they can't see what the problems are. They yeah. they they start too big. Interesting. Hmm, I like that. Who would you say is the best example of someone either you know or you don't know who is like, man, they just don't have any ego or they have the right amount at the right times yeah. or they're flexible with it and they they're so aware of it and they're just like, you know, taking command of the whatever their vision is in the world and making things happen. My favorite story or my favorite person in the book is George Marshall, the the World War II general. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marshall Plan is named after him. He was this amazing man. His There's this famous story about him where, or his famous encounter with his wife and someone said like, oh, he had no ego. And, mm-hmm. and she was like, no, you don't understand. He had an ego like everyone else. He just believed in what he was doing so much that he never let it get in the way. And so like, for instance, uh, right before the... The D-Day invasion. Um, uh, 
FDR, he asked uh, Marshall, he was like, look, you're very important to me here in Washington, but I realize like this is like an opportunity of a lifetime. Do yeah. you, you want to command the troops at D-Day? And George Marshall, like he wanted it more than anything in the world. And he said, I don't want my personal feelings to impact your decision at all. Mm-hmm. You decide. And so FDR chooses Eisenhower, who does an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that we win World War II. But it, in a way, that that what Marshall was doing was choosing the mission over himself. Yeah, and that's so hard to do. And we think in that moment, like if I don't do that, no one will ever remember me. Yeah. I'll be a loser, hmm. right? Yeah. But that's not true. Like in fact, it it made him essential. It 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 helped win the war. Uh, he he goes on to do all these other amazing things. He's accompl- he accomplished more than you and I could ever dream of. Yeah. But there and there's a quote from Truman where he says like never did George Marshall think about himself, and it was it was in repeatedly doing that that he was able to accomplish all these things that will outlast yeah. him far more than any selfish marketing or mm-hmm. decisions would yeah. at the time. It's interesting. A, a ment- early mentor, now friend of mine, Chris Hawker. He's I believe the quote that he has on his office. He's a famous inventor, invented many products. Is when ego slips away, the best idea wins. That's great. And he, I think it's on his wall because he does lots of, he's been taking like 75 products to market, inventions, yeah. but he's constantly brainstorming with his team. Yeah. And you would think that a guy who's invented a lot and, you know, patented sure. and everything and knows everything about it, that he'd be like, no, this is the way it's going to be. But he lets his ego go and says the best idea needs to win. Otherwise, it's going to fail. If it's just my idea and it's like has to be my right. way. So when ego slips away, the best idea wins. There's a there's a quote from Tony Adams, who's a soccer coach, famous soccer coach, and it's pretty cheesy, but it's totally true. He says, um, when you play for the name on the front of the jersey, they'll remember the name on the back. But we're so Pat Riley calls this the disease of me. We think in the short term, like I'm not getting enough attention, I'm not being appreciated, I'm not getting paid enough. We think about all these minor concerns because we're worried it's gonna hurt us in the long term. And really, that's just distracting us from doing the work that is ultimately the only reason anyone is remembered for anything. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, you've experienced this with your book. It's like you, and you've got the bestseller list like right there on the mm-hmm. wall and you want to win in the short term. But really, no, I don't remember how many, co- how many copies of the great Gatsby sell in its first week. Nobody knows, okay. right? Like, no, any book that's la- like good to great how 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 was its first week sales like nobody no. knows right what matters is did you make something that stands the test of time and did you keep working at it past when everyone else would have given up and said like it's on to the next thing or you know i'll do this other thing cuz i can make more money or whatever like you've got to you've got to stay at it and stay at it and stay at it long past whenever the ego gets bored hmm. i got a few questions left all right this came to me. What do you? I'll ask you a personal question. Right. Where do you see that my ego gets in the way of my any area of my business, life, relationships? Where have you seen? Well, this feel is, free to be is truthful. It, is, this a, is this a comi- feel- is this a kamikaze mission? Or- I've never, no, no, no. I, yeah. This came to me because I'm like, let's see what what comes up. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you a good one. I, I don't know if this is necessarily ego, but it's going to sound weird. So I. I I was really interested in Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. for a while. I've stopped doing it, so I don't want to act like I'm some genius Master. about it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember my uh, – I was talking to 
I guess my professor or whatever you call them. And he was saying what happens for big guys is that uh, they don't get as good at the that the fundamentals and the skills because they can just put weight on people. Like they could beat someone like – Like you could beat me. With strength. Yeah, with yeah. strength and you wouldn't learn the skills. I would say well, mm. you have some things going for you that not everyone in the writing and podcasting spaces, which is you're handsome, you're tall, um, you're very charismatic, right? And so – I think we all have strengths and those strengths sometimes compensate for weaknesses. So mm. like, I think maybe I, I don't, I'm not saying it is a problem for you, but it could be, which is you can get used to skating by on those things. Right. And then the substance can start to suffer. And so you always want to be the harshest critic of your own work, mm. right? Like, is this good enough? Am I saying something new enough? Is this original enough? You know, and am I pushing myself to be real and vulnerable and honest? Like when James Altucher says you got to say the thing that you're afraid to say, no one else can hold you to that stand. Like no one else can be like, oh, you're afraid to say that because only you know what you're yeah. afraid of, right? Yeah. And so in, in, in the sense that like as a writer, I have to work harder than you, right? Because I don't have some of the things that you have. Right. You want to make sure that you're – you're holding yourself to those things even though you don't need to. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like that. It's good. Do I have to leave now? <laughs> no, no. It's time to beat you up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, interesting. What is your biggest fear? As a human being or? Yeah. Uh, my wife's expecting. So mm. I'm worried that I'm worried that I'm so like my work is so important to me and my identity is so tied up in it that all make a lot of really decisions that seem important at the time that in retrospect don't matter at all. Yeah. Like it's like, Oh, you know, somebody, e some random person emailed me and I have to respond, you know, and I'm going to miss some moment mm -hmm. and I'll never be, it's not that I'll never be able to get it back. It's that I stole that from someone. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And I'm worried that I, I have selfishness on the one hand, but also just, like, I think it comes from a place of insecurity, like feeling like if you let up for a second, you'll lose what you're not you have. Be relevant, or you're not going to build momentum, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So that that I have that actual fear of losing the momentum, and then I have a fear on top of that fear that in giving into it, I'll do something that will hurt other people. Like mm. it's like I can choose to live with whatever fears I want, but I've made a decision now to have a kid, and that is. They don't like. They didn't sign up for that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. And what do you feel like your purpose is right now? I really, I really love writing. Like I, re I really love writing, and I feel like I've been lucky enough to write things that other people haven't. Like, like I've actually seen this. Like, so I write a lot about ancient philosophy, and some of the people in that community have started to become like resentful of that writing because it's become popular, and so. Mm -hmm. On one hand, the egotistical reaction is... It's not is, just like academic anymore or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know where it is. Like, you know, people, when, when you start to become successful, people resent you for that success. And so on the one hand, the egotistical reaction is just to dismiss that and be like, you know, they're haters. Don't listen. But it's more, it's like, oh, actually, like, of all the people who get to talk about this, like, I somehow I'm the one, right? And I think um, my purpose is that I have... I have 
the ability to talk about this stuff at a scale that other people haven't been able to get. And now I have to make sure that I'm doing that well and that I'm working hard and that I'm producing things that mm. matter. If you could achieve anything you wanted to achieve, what would you want? I don't think there's anything, and I hope this doesn't sound weird, but like there's nothing that like, there's like all I, starting from about when I was like 19 or 20 years old, I really wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write books. And I don't know. I just thought, I thought that that, that people, I, cause I love books and I love. Did your parents give you books as a kid? Did you? They did. They did not like good books, but you know what I mean? Like I was always reading, but they were like adventure novels. Mm -hmm. So like they instilled to me the the joy of reading, but not, not the right direction yet. Mm -hmm. That came from mentors. But I just, I just, the idea that you get to research and teach people and talk about these things for a living is like amazing to me and it's this tradition that goes back literally thousands of years like that has a lot of meaning to me um and so i i i kind of forget the question Mm. but uh or or the achievement achievement you oh what can so like i think one of the hard things about life is that you probably do you get people go like so what's next all the time and they all the time and they if you're like no this like this like that i would say this is what's now yeah, I'm that's talking a, about this oh, one. That's a great answer. I say this right now is what I'm working on next. Yeah, and and like I think, but the pressure is that you should say, well, and now I'm gonna become a billionaire. Right, right. The right? next bigger thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And and I think that puts people on a path that eventually makes them very unhappy because yes. like this is what I wanted to do. So why would I just because I've done it and I got to do it earlier than I expected? Right. I'm gonna go do something I. I just came up with in my head, yeah. right? Like I've seen a lot of people that are like, everyone else is starting companies. I should start a company. Well, maybe I don't like that. And so why should I do it just because everyone else is doing it? So right. I've tried to, for me, I'm trying to be very disciplined and not, people will throw, oppor- I think the myth is that opportunities are hard to come by and they are early on, but then you get a lot of them and you have to learn which to ones no. to say no to. Yeah. yeah. It's really challenging. I want to say yes to it all. Of course. And and like the reason you are successful is because at some point in your life, you said yes yeah, to everything. Right. <laughs> um, and then I learned how to say no to everything. Yeah. <laughs> jo- Jonathan Bader, he wrote this book called Life is Sport. He's the team psychologist for the mm-hmm. the Mets. I told yes. you about him. He, had, he, he was telling me this thing. He was like, in the Dominican Republic, they have this uh, saying, and, and I forget what it is in Spanish, but it's, you don't walk off the island, right? You have to hit your way off the island. Mm. So you have to swing at every pitch. But as you become more successful, like he's saying, then what happens is these guys, they come to the major leagues and now all of a sudden they have to choose which pitches to swing. If they swing at everything, they're not any like pitchers know and they strike them out and then they hurt the whole team. And so it's it's like, wait, so you used to have to swing at everything and now all of a sudden you have to learn when, when to not swing and when to swing. Right. And I think success is, it's the same for all of us. You do something and now all of a sudden, Hey, do you want to appear on this podcast? Do you want to do this TV show? Do you want to write this thing? And you have to know what projects to say yes to. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. You could have written a book much earlier than you wrote a book. Yeah. And because I remember, actually... I wrote a proposal four years before the book came out. Well, I was going to say, the day I sold my book, I was in New York City, and we had lunch with Steve Hanselman. Yes. And you were like, I'm thinking about the doing a book. The barbecue place we talked to. Yes. Maybe that was afterwards. Yeah. Were oh, at, barbecue? at Hill Country? Yes. Yes. But this was at some sushi restaurant. Okay. And you were, you were thinking about doing a book. Huh. And you... 
that you waited four years, yeah. I find I find very impressive because you knew about how much you wanted to sell it for, it, it didn't and you feel knew how right big you wanted it didn't to Didn't feel right at that time. That, but that's one of the hardest things yeah. in the world. You turned you turned down, although you didn't really have offers because you didn't go out with it. Right, but like right. you could have made six figures and yeah. then more in six figures until you by by having discipline, you made the most money and you yeah. wrote the best book you could have written. Yeah. I had a whole nother book proposal that was more about like business and lifestyle. And I was just like, we have wrote the whole thing. And Steve was like, all right, let's go shopping around. Yeah. I was like, uh, the last minute I was like, this doesn't feel right to me. And I remember being so terrified to tell him because like, we just spent two years on this. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's like you, he's pressuring. I mean, Steve's great. He's done, right, right. would never pressure anyone, but he has a real interest yeah, being your agent to yeah, go yeah. out and you have to say, actually, this isn't right. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or people go, well, this person offered me 10% more money, but it's like they don't believe in what you're doing at all. Yeah. So are you going to, are you going to jeopardize everything that you're working for to make 10% more in the short term? Yeah. Or do you have the discipline not to swing at that pitch and wait a whole college experience until you come out with it? I mean, four years is so long. long. Time, man. So a long. long time, man. Yeah. And you, it was worth it though. But, and, and this is why you can't compare yourself to other people. Mm -hmm. How many people came out with books that you knew in that four year period? A lot of people, man. And that if you don't have confidence and you don't have a belief in what you're doing, mm -hmm. that's where you doubt yourself and that's where you go, fine, I'll just copy them. Right. And then it's just an average work piece of work. And won't last. Yeah. Exactly. Who was more influential to you growing up, your mom or your dad? That's a good question. Uh, definitely my dad. Why? Um, my dad was just like a strong, so my dad was a police officer, but became very financially successful, mm -hmm. not from being a police officer. Like he invested in real estate and he's, he invented this, uh, this arm that could pick up explosive devices wow. and he did all this cool stuff. And I, the idea that like, you didn't have to be defined by that one thing that you do and that you could understand things that were related to it and work really hard. That was very influential to me. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. And what are you most grateful for in your life recently? Um, so I, my wife and I, we, we live on this farm and with donkeys and goats, with donkeys, like it's like, I live in my dream house, yeah, like my dream like house, it. my dream life. Except and for the rattlesnakes. <laughs> I did kill a rattlesnake two that. days ago, although that was fun. Uh, but but it, it's like I think this is the other reason why you have to be present and actually enjoy the the moment is that it's like this is everything that I want. And I have to remind myself that it's everything I want and that that's freeing and not get distracted by like, oh, and it would be nice to have – The bigger like, and better thing. Right. Like as soon as you buy a house, you're like – in an apartment, you're never like, I'd really like to redo this bathroom. But as soon as you own a house, you're like, I don't like these floors, you know, mm -hmm. and trying to, trying to actually be grateful for what you have, things that you would have killed like a year earlier to have. As soon as you have them, all of a sudden you think about how they could be better. And I think you've, you've written about this a lot, but gratitude is incredibly important, not just because it, it's what you owe other people. But it makes you appreciate what you have versus focusing on what you could have or don't have, yeah. which are egotistical things and also recipes for misery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. A uh, couple final questions before I ask him. I want to make sure everyone gets the book, Ego is the Enemy. Go pick it up right now. I'll put it in the, the show notes as well. Uh, but go check it out. It's a great book. It's a, a short read, too, compared to most big books. It's a smaller book, but it's a lot of great information there. You asked very to. moving questions. You asked me one. You said something like, is it better to be smart or kind? Was that the question? 
Was this the last time? Yeah, this is the first time. You asked me something like that, and I just thought it was mm. an amazing question. I think about mm. it a lot. Really? Is yeah. it better to be smart or kind? Uh, it's definitely better to be kind, mm. I think. You think? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's def- <laughs> one, is more, rare. one is more rare. Yeah. Kind is more rare? I would say kind is more rare. Really? Yeah. Think people aren't kind? Yeah, I think so. There's lots of smart people. Would the world be better with more smart people or more kind people? I think kind. Probably, yeah. I think. So. I mean, the wars that are happening are based on people who think they're smart. Yes, right. Not kind people are creating wars. Well, that's the thing is no. There, Socrates says no one does wrong on purpose, right? So the smart people all think mm-hmm. they are doing the smart thing. And I think if um, you know, if people led more with their heart, as cheesy as that sounds, yeah. ego would drop. Sure. And the heart would lead. When the head is away, yeah. the heart will lead, right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cool. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, okay. This is a question I asked at the okay. end for everyone. It's called The Three Truths. Okay. And you're a writer, so you're going to create many works of art for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've already got great books. Um, you've helped a lot of people, a lot of smart people write incredible books, including myself. You helped me with School of Greatness. And um, it's the last day for you many years from now and okay. all your friends and family, everything you've ever wanted, you've achieved. Okay. You've got the dream family. you got the dream home. Yeah. you got thousands of donkeys, whatever you want. You've no got it all. Donkeys. You've got it all. Yeah. And um, But you, all of your work is erased. Okay. And you have a piece of paper and a pen and you get to write down three truths, things you know to be true about all of your experiences in life that you would pass on to people. Sure. As your Bible, essentially, for... How to live life. Okay. What would be your three truths? Oh, that's great. Um, well, first off, I think you should live your life as though your works are going to be erased. Because when you're dead, they are erased to you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, the, so the first one would be, and this is the essence of Stoic philosophy, I think. It says, um, you don't control what happens to you. You control how you respond. So that would be truth number one. Um, truth number two would be what we talked about earlier, where you can't learn that which you think you already know. I think that's uh an essential an essential truth that puts you in a mindset to learn your entire life. Mm. Uh you know what I'll give you one more stoic quote. We'll make this all stoic. There's a line from Seneca where he's saying, Some people lack the courage what's he saying? Some people lack the courage to live the life they want and live only as they have begun. Right? So that's the ch- that People lack the courage to change, to make, to, to do abrupt changes, mm. especially as they get later on in life. And I would say most of the big decisions in my life, you know, deciding to leave college, which was going well, the decision to leave American Apparel and become a writer, you know, the decision to not write marketing books, but to write about other things. These were dramatic changes that cost money, you know, or meant closing the door on big things, but opened up enormous mm-hmm. upside. Yeah. And so I think I think you have you can't just because you're good at something or just because you've done it for a long time is not necessarily a reason to continue that thing. Mm, I like that. What are yours? When you get a podcast, you ask me. Okay. That. <laughs> All right. Um, I've actually said them on here before, so I'll have to go back and let you know what I said. But what do you think the world needs more of? Um. I would say right now, I mean, one of the things that stresses me out is is a lack of tolerance. Both, uh, I think we've become increasingly less tolerant 
I mean, in this campaign, a less tolerance to, mm. like, for instance, this backlash against immigrants, both in the United States and internationally. I mean, we're here in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is awesome because it's filled with immigrants. Yeah. New York is awesome because it's filled with immigrants. And the idea that immigrants make things worse is just not only economically false, but it's culturally false. And it's ec- ethically bankrupt as well, right? Just because you're born here does not give you some special claim to this land uh, over the rest of the world, right? Um, and so I think I think a lack of tolerance of other people and their hopes and dreams uh, is a big one that alarms me. But I think more, like if we're more just talking about like America, I think our lack of tolerance of conflicting or unpleasant ideas is equally mm. problematic, right? Mm. So I don't like the idea of safe spaces and, uh, you know, calling people racists or bigots because you don't like what they're saying. I, I think you you need to get to a point where you can deal with uncomfortable, unpleasant truths. There's a, a line from Epictetus where he says, your mind, when you're offended, your mind is complicit in the offense, right? So if you say something mean to me, I choose whether I'm mad. Like I choose whether that offends me or whether I'm going to hold it against you, right? That part is on me. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to become tolerant of tolerant of unpleasant ideas, incorrect ideas, poorly articulated ideas because it's life is too short to be outraged about things, especially things that people have just said. Mm-hmm. Like I'd rather we focus on what people do. I like that. I like that. Is it more important to do or be? You know, there's actually, I, I think I know the question you're, you're saying, and I would say um, it's more important to be, like to be true to what you're saying than, to, you know, to sort of be a good person mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know. But it, I have a chapter in the book. It, there's this famous speech from, from John Boyd, and he would, he would say this to every one of his young protégés. He would say, um, to do or to be. That it was called his to do or to be speech. And basically what he was saying is that, being promoted and you know uh rising to responsibility and power uh and being recognized is not the same and is not as important as doing great work and affecting change behind the scenes so it's like we become so obsessed with you know being promoted or being recognized or getting credit yes right it's like people would rather be a bestseller than write an amazing book right and that is totally wrong people do that they hack the system to just buy their way on absolutely and that so it's it's do you want like just because the rules are crooked and they are for the bestseller list they're crooked as hell they're Mm. worthless but people spend hours and hours and hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to game that system instead of spending that time making something yes. that is transcends that system and will outlast it and matter. So yeah. I think in John Boyd, when he's saying to do or to be, he's saying doing is more important than whether you doing get the, the credit for it or not. Yes. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Uh, before I ask the final question, okay. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Ryan. Okay. I want to acknowledge you for your, your brilliance and your creativity and your ability to take major risks in your life when they are uncomfortable for you. Because I think there are so many people that are brilliant and creative that stay in the same game just to be more recognized and make more money. And you continue to to follow your purpose as opposed to following uh, the money and 
and, and in the process, you helped so many people along the way. You've helped guide me and my journey with my book and my work. You're always someone I can lean on with some great brilliance, and you've helped so many people. So I want to acknowledge you for you. constantly learning and realizing that you get to continue to learn along your journey. Yeah. And giving to so many people with the work you create. So I, I want to acknowledge you for that. Yeah. And uh, the final question I have is what's your definition of greatness? I'm trying to remember what I said last time. Uh, no, no. Now? So I could not yeah. say, not say that. I think uh, the definition of greatness is fulfilling, fulfilling whatever potential you have and then some, right? So, um, because people in your life, they they see you and they recognize that you've got some potential, and they sort of you often you have a sense of where someone's going to go almost better than they do. Right. But then I think I think true greatness is the wow, where did that come from? Mm. Like little element right on top, right? Like uh, everyone knew Michael Jordan was a great basketball player, but that game where he played, where he had the flu and he could barely stand up, that's like a where did that like where is that do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I love I love stories like that yeah there you go Ryan Holiday thanks, thanks for coming man. on man thank Appreciate you it. Yeah. and there you have it I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did and let me ask you a question are you letting your ego get in the way are you even aware that your ego is holding you back or are you completely aware when your ego comes up and hold you back. Feel free to tweet me right now at Lewis Howes and at Ryan Holiday and let me know if your ego has ever held you back in a situation and tweet me what that is. This episode is lewishowes.com slash 352. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Let your friends know about this as I think it's an important topic for us to think about and discuss and uh, Bring to light because the more we hold on to our ego and needing to be right and needing to be heard and needing to be acknowledged all the time and having it be our idea and get us getting the credit, the more chances we have for suffering, depression, anger, frustration, resentment, all these things come up. So it's important that we understand how to manage this thing called ego because in some ways it can move us forward in other ways it can hold us down and leave us crippled. So please share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 352. Also, leave a comment on the blog and let me know what you thought. I'm super excited for you to get this one out there to your friends. And if this is your first time here on the podcast, please subscribe over on iTunes and leave a review. We have over a 1,000 five-star reviews. I'm super grateful for every one of them. And the reason we continue to grow this podcast is because people subscribe they listen, they share, and they leave reviews. So if you have been listening for a while and you have not yet left a review, then now's the time. I'm asking you, please, to leave a review. If this has brought any value to you in any way, let me know what you think. I'd love to get your feedback to continue to make this a better and better podcast to serve you. And last but not least, you guys know what to do. It's time to go out there and do something great.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.